everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Scary Movie Project. I am your host, Matt. And this is the podcast where we talk about scary movies and lots of other scary things. Um, something exciting tonight for everybody. Um, Sean Austin is on the show. He is a paranormal investigator. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with him and reviewing some of his documentaries on some ghost hunts and some places he's been. Uh, personal note, I'll say that there. Um, check out my website. You can read those. I enjoyed all of them. Um, Sean, this is awesome to have you on. I want you to tell everybody about yourself because you'll do a better job than I will. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've been investigating the paranormal for 13 years now. Um, being a demonologist, paranormal investigator, and having medium abilities, kind of, um, you know, in, in a little bunch of diversified avenues of the paranormal. And um, yeah, I know that you reviewed uh, some of those documentaries. I think it's even one behind me right here at the post. Yeah, office, actually. yeah but, uh, we did that one. Yep, we did the one yeah. in Ohio, the one uh, devil down south, and then... So my favorite, like, you know, ghost story haunted house is Amityville Horror, right? Like, I mean, who doesn't love it? Um, and I know you, that one, I reviewed that one for you. That was a really, really interesting way you went about that. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely want to touch on that. So sure. tell me how, okay, so Ghost Hunters, the TV show, right? Was like a blast. Everyone loved it in like their mid 2000s. It was huge, right? Everybody thought they were a ghost hunter, right? Tell mm -hmm. me how, how did you get into this stuff? How did it become, where did it start? How does it become a career? How did you, how did you get to where you are now? Uh, just by mistake, to be honest with you. Mm. As a kid, I, <clears throat> I was a horror movie buff. I, I've, you know, I was obsessed with horror movies. I was reading Stephen <laughs> books in fourth grade. Yeah. That was, but, um, you know, I always watched documentaries about people experiencing the paranormal and I really gave, you know, genuinity to, what they were explaining on the screen of what they experienced in the paranormal and these ghosts. And I really believed a lot of these people's stories, but not until at some point in my late twenties, um, that, uh, you know, a friend of mine is a big skeptic and I wanted him to go out and have an experience and went to a local cemetery where three women in white would chase you out, which is the urban legend. Mm -hmm. And, um, in that process, while my friends laughing that night, um, I got my first EVP of a little girl in front mm -hmm. of girl's grave and I didn't I had this disembodied voice of a child to the next night wow and it freaked me out and then like two three weeks later I saw a shadow of a little girl in the corner of my bed it was even light out and that was basically uh <clears throat> that was the trigger um yeah. to it and realizing it was real um I started going out and trying to search more and get more answers just for the experience it wasn't a live streaming or anything like that at the time I just go out there with a reporter spirit box or emf meter and just want to go out and see if something happens because I mean, it just opened up my eyes to a whole nother world that's been around us, you know, my entire life and everyone's life. I just, it's kind of just unraveling that mystery and it's always a mystery. And that's what makes it endlessly fascinating, which led me to be brought on someone's podcast like this. And then you know, I'm hosting a podcast. And then I reached out to Ralph Sarchi when deliver some evil, the movie was coming out. And he was my guest. Next, you know, I'm on the phone for, you know, two hours and asking me to come on some cases with him before the movie came out. Ended up on the TV show for Discovery, The Demon Files, um, which was a, a three-part docuseries. Um, and then I published my first book and traveling around the country and end up on mm -hmm. Ghost Soup and my second book. And I, I just, you know, I didn't really think this would ever be a, a lucrative thing where it would be like a career type thing but opportunities kind of came naturally to me um, and you kind of just run with it and, and see what happens from there. And here I am in this present day with, you know, being busy and constantly doing documentaries like you've reviewed and 
Yeah. This Netflix show, 28 Days Haunted, that uh, just came out recently. Yeah. So that's, I, I definitely want to touch on that too. You, um, so you mentioned, you know, the first EVP you had the little girl. So real quick, I mean, people that are listening, like, okay, electronic voice phenomenon is what EVP is, right? And so what, um, when you do like a hunt or you are out, what kind of, um, are you just bringing like a phone with you? Or are you bringing recorders, spirit boxes? What's some of the tech, what's some of the gear you use um, that people would not know about? I mean, you know, spirits can speak on a frequency that normally we can't hear with our own audible ears. And that's why we use recorders that pick up on these frequencies we can't hear with our own ears. And that's why typically investigators will ask a question and wait for an answer to come back after you record it because the recorder can pick up on these EVPs. Um, so you can use your phone. You know, my first EVP ever was a flip phone right before we had smartphones. Mm-hmm. Actually, the crappier the recording, the more white noise there is, it can actually help, you know, accelerate, you know, the potential of the EVP and then the, the, the amplification of it. Um, so, you know, you just got to experiment you see, you know, what you get and what kind of results you are. Everyone likes to use certain equipment and has certain methods about going around the paranormal. Um, so, um, you know, it just depends how you, uh, you know, approach the whole thing. Everyone, I I just started when I knew that this is all real. My first book ever I read was, you know, the demonologist by Ed and Lorraine Warren. And then like Shadows of the Dark, John Zaffis's book. And then it was Ralph's book, um, Beware the Night Before It Was Delivered to Me with a Movie. Um, and then, you know, just, I was just formulating, you know, kind of like how I was perceiving everything as I was having these experiences. And it was very informative to kind of absorb and and find out and discover the types of extreme cases that some of the pioneers of the paranormal went on to kind of prepare myself. Um, and I went through, you know, a lot of crazy experiences in that process as well. Do you need to be in some sort of mindset when you're on a hunt or when you're on a uh, or do you, is this stuff come to you? Is it just kind of natural? Do you need to get like a sort of mindset for it? I mean, you know, I, I think it's, well, from a broader spectrum, I think it's really healthy and also safe to kind of prepare yourself on the types of things that can happen to you if you go out on these types of investigations, because we take risks as investigators. You don't know uh, what can happen to you, what can follow you home. I mean, I mean, I take precautions all the time and you know, and, and, and all the knowledge I have and still things happen around my place and stuff like that. And I bless my place and if something, you know, dark had followed me home. Um, so being aware of that um, on all those different levels and how they can attack you, if it's a negative energy, uh, you know, realizing that is really how you're going to prepare yourself. And the psychological attacks of the evil negative spirits are the most delicate nature of the paranormal is because they want to amplify any sort of negative emotion um, you know, from the shadows. So you're not realizing what their devious plans are from the shadows um, until it's to the point where you don't realize you're doing it. You might act out and end up wanting to hurt yourself or others, um, which would be like an oppressive uh, oppression type of stage. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned, you know, what happened to the evil that can mess with people and um, you know, follow you. So in a lot of ways, you know, you're, you're doing stuff, you're, you're, you're helping people in a lot of ways, right? You I mean, you might have, you know, cases where something is, people are terribly tormented by these things. It's ruining their life. And you can go in and try to clear this and try to help them, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, going to residential homes and hearing about what they're experiencing and you know, realizing and you know, <clears throat> trying to figure out if you're dealing with a human spirit or if it's an inhuman spirit. And most of the times it is a human spirit, but sometimes it could be a little bit more malevolent in nature. And 
you know, there's certain car characteristics that I would be looking for to kind of define that on top of my own abilities, because I consider myself as my own piece of equipment. I look for that to correlate with the other scientific uh, piece of equipment that we use to try to measure, you know, manifestations and energies and, and fluctuations and all sorts of things in the environment when you're investigating a haunted location. Yeah, that's really interesting. So yeah, I'm guessing that when you go in with different people, how's that, you know, it's, it's, it's like collaborating, I guess, in any work environment. Um, do you enjoy working with a lot of people on a investigation or how do you feel? Do you want to go solo sometimes? How does that, what do you like? I mean, just like investigations in general, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you have not a huge amount of people, you have more of a chance of stuff happening. Um, from my experience, um, you know, sometimes people can be energy killers too. Like one person can say nothing will happen because that person or it'll be very subdued. Mm. but you know uh you never know what's going to happen i mean things can just happen at a drop of a dime that you're not expecting and that, that's what makes it you know always interesting going on especially for me going and doing research and investigations at places that i've never been like i got two new locations that i'm going to be investigating in december never been there before rather than going to the same locations that some of us go to all the time it's exciting for me to see what types of energies or spirits that i can communicate with and um, and see if, you know, someone needs a voice, someone needs help in any way, um, which I always like to do. That's the way I approach the paranormal. It's not just helping the living. It's, you know, these earthbound spirits because most of them are human spirits and they're looking for a way out or some sort of ins um, inspiration or courage to, to find the light and someone to actually show them that path towards the light um, out of a dark place that they're in subconsciously, um, energetically and spiritually. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. It's, it's very spiritual, I guess, in that manner. I don't think people kind of think about it that way. They just think it's something spooky or something like that. Um, so when you go to a new place, like you said, will you sit down and do like hardcore research for days on end? Or do you, or do you just get the general gist and show up and see what happens? I mean, you know, I'll get the gist and just try to show up. And especially for me, if I'm sensitive, I wouldn't want to know too much information. And if you know anything about like, you know, psychics, it's why they don't want to know too much information. Yeah. Because as soon as you know more, you don't know what your rational mind is trying to fill in the, the blanks with some of the things you might be picking up on. Um, and that's why I like to pick up things and leave some of the devices on, um, like the spirit boxes and anything with ITC, the community and spirit, so I can get, you know, definitive results. And, you know, when it comes to figuring out, you know, what spirits we're dealing with or information we need to extract to figure out what's going on in the property or to help a family run a residential case. So you're staying at like a hotel or somewhere you're, you know, visiting someplace. I don't know. You're not on, you're not investigating. How often do you feel a presence somewhere just in your everyday life? Does that happen to you often? I mean, I experience, I mean, I, I hear spirits talk to me like every day. Wow. Okay. It's not, it's not like me talking to you right now, hearing the voice. It's wow. So it's like getting a text message in your head mm. about the word ghost over and over again in your head without saying it. That's literally what it's like, but it's, it's not from you. It's kind of like you're an antenna and you're picking up telepathic words that you're just kind of connecting to energies that are around you. And these words will just kind of hit your head. And it's like, you know, it was a little, it was a little overwhelming when it started to happen to me. I'm like, gosh, you know, like you, you might be yeah. crazy or scared that you might <laughs> end up crazy. Um, but you know, when some of the, oh, these things start coming to you and you're, you're kind of having premonitions and things are telling you, you know, people's names before they call you and 
all this stuff. I mean, there's just no way that you're crazy because I mean, the evidence is just unfolding before your, your eyes. What do you say to people that think what you do is stupid or that it's dumb or it's not real? What do you, what, or, or do you, how do you engage people like that? I mean, what I try to tell people is that, you know, you can watch TV shows, you can watch movies about this stuff. And it's very easy to sit on the outside and say, this is a bunch of BS. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but when you're there firsthand, and these days, I think it's really important if you want to take it seriously and find out if it's real, is you know, to have a firsthand experience. Because there is a lot of fakery that goes on in the entertainment business and the YouTubers and things like yeah. that. You can sit there and pull it apart like, oh, it was this or it was that, but you weren't there. So I always say, if you witness something that you have no rational explanation for, that is why we call it the unexplained. And that's experiences like that draw people like myself to come in and keep going out to find out more answers and experience more because there is something to it. If you experience it firsthand, you'll be wondering about yourself. And that question inside your head might you know, unravel an interest in something like this, like many of us who are truly passionate about the subject and the paranormal field. I think that's a, what a great answer. I really, I think that that's exactly what I kind of feel too. I've never personally had an experience either. Um, but I think, yeah, you, you need to have it happen to you. You have to maybe, you know, get it to understand it, I think. And clearly and just like it. me, I mean, you know, like I said, I believed in this stuff. I watched documentaries, but I sure. just was a skeptic friend and there I am in a cemetery and little did I know when I was trying to have him an experience, but I never thought about it. Why didn't mm-hmm. I go and just go out and try to get an experience, but I'm just like, let's go and do that. And then, all of a sudden, like, it's me. It's me. This is the start of my journey. This wasn't about him. This was about me. Wow. And then I had that experience. And then it was like a flip of the switch. I'm having crazy stuff. And I was having a spiritual awakening all at once. I didn't even think that I could, something like that could happen to me where I'd un, you know, unleash this psychic ability like this. I thought that you would have it as a kid and you'd always be seeing spirits. But like there were omens when I was a child and I wrote yeah. my first book, Shadow Chaser, like, and I thought about that when I started to have these experiences, like, are there any signs? And there were, but it wasn't like this profound paranormal thing where I was like, oh my God, I'm psychic or anything like that. But I mean, there was little nuances and instances of it, you know, just something like, you know, for instance, like I remember growing up and having dreams about people's faces or visions of people's faces that I never met. And I'd sit there as a young kid. And I'm like, could I like make up someone's face just by imagination? Like, I was wondering about this kid, but like little did I know it was probably a dormant ability that was coming out. But once I actually engaged the spirit world and I was open to that possibility, and then I became open in that manner, I believe my aura actually changed in its, mm. its characteristic, which also becomes noticeable to all the spirits around you because then now they feel that they can contact you. They feel like they can get your me- their message to you. And this is what I believe happens to the impressionable children when they're at a young age they're fresh from the spirit world and spirits that are desperate and for good reasons sad reasons angry reasons or evil reasons you know they'll go to children because they are they still have that natural ability and they before they are forced into the rational perspectives that we have that this stuff isn't real but we really are spiritual beings living in a human body vessel a temporary thing so it's just a kind of a different way of uh, uh seeing things Oh, that's wild. That's, that's, that's really, really interesting. I think, <laughs> you know, you're able to get that. And like you said, you know, am I, am I going crazy? Like oh, this stuff happens to you. And yeah. You don't know what the heck's happening. Right. So yeah. but it's, it's, it's getting to that point and understanding that that's um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Have you ever um, purposely or 
maybe this has happened to you. And you don't have to go deep in this, obviously. You ever had conversation, or not conversations, I guess the right word, contact with like loved ones that have passed away and things like that? Does that work for you or is that something different? Well, yeah. And my father actually passed away a year ago this past October. I've, I, I'm completely floored how much stuff my dad has come to me. And I had conversation mm. with my dad and actually, you know, Malefice was the the last documentary that he saw of me, and he was telling me how powerful it was um, what happened in the documentary. And I was always telling my dad to give me a sign that he was around. And I've had like, I think at least a dozen strange things. And I've straight up seen him. Um, mm, wow. Things ago, I saw his face as I was kind of in and out of consciousness. And I heard him say, uh, you know, I love you, son. I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, so, you know, I'm very thankful and humbled to have that type of connection. And so many people would be so you know, taken back and thankful to have that too. And I'm, 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 I'm appreciative of that. Yeah. It's a gift, you know, what I have, but I want to be able to help people. So I'm lucky to have these experiences as a whole, and especially that comfort from loved ones who have passed away. Wow. That's powerful stuff. Yeah. When, when you're done on an investigation or a hunt or somewhere, how like wiped out are you? And these things are like psychologically and they're they, they kind of steal a lot of your energy, huh? I mean, you know, that's why I believe that, you know, temperature drops in, in mm. my spirit yeah. to the cold spots, because I think the spirits are taking energy out of that one space. So, but I don't think they just take away energy out of the environment. I, I've actually theorized on whether or not maybe they actually, they extract maybe nutrients from our body mm. environment, because it's kind of funny. Like, of course, I'll be very drained. I mean, you just do that for three, four hours you sleep like a baby, like you are dreaming. I love cravings for food too. Wow. Um, you know, it made me think about this stuff where maybe they're, you know, all of a sudden, like your body's reacting to something. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's something to speculate and theorize about. Um, but, um, yeah. 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 I imagine it's, 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 it's powerful stuff. Um, all right. So the couple, yeah. So let's see the ones we did Mal Malfeast, um, devil down South and, um, what was the name of the Amityville return? Amityville, Amityville? the resurgence. Yes. Okay. So I liked them all. I enjoyed watching them, reviewing them, good production quality on them. Um, what was your favorite of those, I guess? And also the tack on here, you mentioned anything can happen when you're on an investigation. What is like, what is the wildest thing that's like totally not? And there was something crazy that happened to you, I think in that Malfeast, I remember, but yeah, what's the I mean, wildest it's... thing that's happened to you? Would you say you think? I mean, gosh, I've, I've had so many things. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Malefits documentary, um, you know, obviously the, the vision I had when it followed me home and I believed I crossed over those women and right. the presence and I had that vision of it standing at my bed with horns and saying, there are rules, you know. That's <clears throat> terrifying. I don't, I mean, that's pretty intense and pretty, it, it's yeah. like, wow, like that's pretty deep. That's pretty profound. Like, you know, and, it, and I think it's really interesting how it folds on the documentary and then the responses that came through referencing the rules through the spirit box and then mm. a vision I had. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely up there. And then, you know, Malefice is my, probably my favorite because it's personal to me because it involved my personal life and was messing with me. Right. And a relationship. Um, I, it was definitely had its hand in trying to sabotage that and took credit for it. That's why I went back to that house. So, I mean, um, and the evidence that we have in that, documentary it's just the evps and Crazy. the strange things and the shadow figure at the end i mean yeah. oh, 
gosh, it's just, it's so much. And it really validated everything I experienced. I mean, that would, that whole thing was like a six, you know, year uh, process of like it following me around for that many years. I mean, going back there, I never thought that that would happen. And it's, I think it was really magical how it all came together for the documentary, but you know, Amityville too. I mean, you know, most Amityville documentaries, it's just talking about the main story and then they're like, is it a hoax or is it real? But I mean, yeah, we got to tell the story, of course. But then it's like, all right, this is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like, then there's paranormal evidence. Like, I don't think there's any potential paranormal evidence on any Amityville documentary um, that they've done, you know. And, and you know, even when we just did a screening of the documentary uh, this past October in the town of Amityville, dead yeah. in the audience is like, I've never seen somebody get so much evidence having to do with the case and not even be inside the house. Um, you know, cause the, the voices and the George Lutz voice coming through the spirit box. I, there was even a friend of George Lutz who knew him in life and mm. floored that wow. his voice in the spirit box and said, that is undeniably his, his voice. So um, that was what I found so interesting with that one. Cause you never even stepped foot in the house on ocean Avenue. You never even went in, right? No, no, that's crazy. And they were working. Tell me about the ex, the, the police officer you were working with. Yeah, Ralph is Sarchi is my mentor in demonology. Yeah, okay. he, I got him to come with me, and it's kind of interesting because of what transpired that one evening when he came with me in the car in front of the house. Is that he never thought about the possibility of demonic entities trapping human spirits, and it's interesting because that's been my journey. That's been my theme, and you know, even Malefice, it's like it's like I'm I, I, I'm called to help souls like that are you know trapped. Uh, by some of these negative and evil forces and you know with what we experienced in front of the Amityville house that night he after I told him about this boy John and what was happening to me like he truly believed that John was trapped there because he was asking for prayer and Mm -hmm. agree that no demon would ever ask for prayer for any reason would not want you bring closer to God and um, he gave up his mask the next uh, you know day because I think it was a Saturday and like that boy never came through. So when we decided to do a story about with Billy and that's when I decided to go back to Amityville and Billy, let's go back there. You know, let's, let's do a couple more sessions. Maybe we can get a couple more pieces of evidence. He can get some B roll of the house for the documentary yeah. and see if we can get some more validation to what happened like a year ago, you know, when, or or two, whatever like that. And then we got a bunch more uh, referencing everything that happened with me. Um, and then that light anomaly that comes in the front of the car and it's winter, it's just yeah. no bugs out. And this thing comes through the glass, through the yeah. windshield, floating around in the car. And I'm following around, it gets close to my camera and it shuts off out of nowhere. Yep. And it's just like, you know, I don't know if anybody has potential visual evidence as we're staring at the Amityville house and not even being inside and getting references to it. So Powerful. we did a documentary. <laughs> Um, and just to, to give you a little extra tidbit as well is that within 24 hours of us screening the documentary, the Amityville documentary in the town of Amityville, only very not far from the house at all, blocks away, hmm. um, within 24 hours, Billy and the store owner who's in the documentary and myself all had strange things happen within 24 hours having to do wow. Billy woke up and he heard his wife call his name and he woke up, she was sleeping. Hmm. Store owner who threw the event and it's in the documentary. Uh, she heard her child uh, call out mom and nobody was there. And then when we were driving down the next day, when I picked up Billy and his wife from the airport, 
Um, someone randomly, a friend of his, texted him the number 315, which is the time of the murders. And then I looked right. at my gas in the car and it said 315 miles left. Oh, of man. And I heard a fly buzz in my left ear like it was trying to get out of the window. And I finished. And they're like, what's the matter? I'm like, dude, I just heard a freaking fly in the car. And so, yeah. And so we did the documentary. Actually, ended up there was people in the audience that are friends with the people that live in the house. And um, they had said that one of the kids that slept over there actually saw the spirit in the house. So That's it's good. surprising to me. I mean, you know, I would like, again, I wasn't even in the house. I know that there's stuff still there um, and what has followed me in that process. Um, now, even I went to my hotel that night and I did like a session in my hotel and I have it on video. And I felt like that creepiness was following me around. And I, and I you know, what's following me? And it goes, um, three followed like clear as day hmm. video. So, you know, the three shadows, that's the three shadows that I initially had a vision of in the house. It's referencing those three shadows again. And I said, what's the name of the house, the number of the house that it used to be? Well, what's the number you, you know, originally was, and it screamed out 112. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, more references to those three shadows and like how it was around and it's just hmm. stuff starts happening. Yeah with that case or something about it. it's like it's cursed or something i think um, i've what, i know i know that now myself this isn't just me yeah. you know looking at the story like oh they were exaggerating stuff now maybe they exaggerated some stuff from the movie and so like but there's something to it that's real because i've experienced firsthand um oh yeah yeah i i think that's an interesting thing about amityville is like everyone knows if you don't know anything but you know about it you know it's the family that they said their house is haunted and they ran away and they left after whatever I don't know that everyone really understands that there were actually six people murdered there. Like that's the great, that, that really happened. That actually happened. Like Ronald DeFeo killed his family and that's for real. And I think that gets lost sometimes. So, I mean, yeah. that's so spooky. Um, the house seems like they thought that's for sale every couple of years and who knows, but mm -hmm. um, that's that, that's really wild. Um, what was I going to say? No, it um, kind of leads into, you know, the Netflix show too, because I mean, yeah. so that's, yeah, so that's a theory. 28 days, 28 yeah. days haunted right is the name of the show right yeah and, you know, and warren had a theory about the 28 days that you know within 28 days of living in the haunted yeah. you be able to pierce the veil and where do those where did that 28 days theory come from and that takes me obviously to what i know already obviously is the lutz family they ran out of the house and left all their furniture behind in 28 days they were out of there yep and ed may have came up with that theory because of their most famous case yeah so did you, I know you've done a work, did you ever get to meet or work with Ed or Lorraine Warren before they passed? Never away? worked with them. I met Lorraine Warren when I, okay. within my first year or two of investigating the paranormal, I went up by myself and was able to go in the house and meet her um, and, you know, get a tour of the house and the museum, mm. talk to her a little bit, which was cool. Um, it was interesting too, because the night before I went to the event, it was the first vision I had of Ed Warren. Um, and he said that, um, he kind of sat me down in the room. He's like, Sean, sit, sit down, sit down over here. And he's like, all right, uh, tell me what's going on with your life. I'm like, all right, this and that. And he's like, you know, I'd, lo I'd love to draw a painting of one of your scary stories. And I'm like, really? And he's like, you know, hold on a second. Something really weird's happening. So he gets up and walks over to this black rotary phone, picks it up. And then I woke up. I remember what he was wearing. He's wearing khaki pants, like a maroon thin sweater and like a collared white shirt under or something like that. And, uh, you know, when I first got into the house to do the event and Lorraine Warren sitting in the corner of the, uh, the room, 
Um, she's telling us a story how she met Ed and showing some footage in, on the TV. Um, I'm like, where's she sitting? I'm like, that looks like where Ed was sitting down in my vision. And later on during the dinner, I talked talk to, um, you know, their son-in-law, Tony Sparrow, and Dan yeah. was a part of Nesper, um, about my vision, the whole thing. And he said, well, first of all, that sounds like Ed, the way he would speak. Um, and number two, he all his paintings around the museum of his favorite cases that he drew. Um, number three, um, when I told him that looked like he was sitting in the corner where Lorraine was sitting, she, they said that that's where his old chair used to be. He used to sit right there in that same corner. Then, mm-hmm. um, you know, there used to be a black rotary phone right next to the museum that Ed always used. And I didn't know any of this shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I believe that Ed actually came to me. And then obviously, you know, even with the Amityville story, because there's a vision with Ed that has to do with that, that he had told me about my connection to Amityville, which years later, to what happened with the documentary. And I felt like that was, that was a connection to that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's interesting how you're finding the one thing you say, and it leads to more and more and just kind of like all these pieces. It's so interesting. Tell me about, there's a track or a song that you were doing that um, was related to the 28 days haunted. Yeah. So I don't know if, you know, whoever's watching, have seen the show yet or not. I had a very profound experience and connection to uh, a woman's spirit on Captain Grant's end. Her name is Mercy Adelaide Grant. Um, her husband, the captain, was lost at sea. She never knew if he'd come home ever at all. And she lived there to her last days until 79 or 80 years old. Hmm. And um, I had a vision that she'd write these notes to him poetically. And I said it out loud, like these, these words. And I brought my guitar with me because I had no um, outlet, um, no, no TV, no internet connection. I, I was like, I need something that makes me feel good. And to be, creative, maybe I would write some songs on my own, but I came up with like five or six songs that were creative. And one of them was really super haunting. And I felt just like, you know, living there every day and her coming and visiting me in my bedroom and, and feeling the emotion from that. I felt, you know, you know what, maybe when I go home, I'm going to, I'm going to write a song. This sounds really appropriate. It sounds very haunting. And maybe I'll take some of those words that I psychically felt she wrote to him and I'll meld it with my own words. And um, so one night I'm in this chair and part of this you see on the show and it just goes further than what you see is that I started to have this stream of events of visions and she showed me, you know, looking at the shore, there's a ship goes off in the distance and, uh, you know, the captain, I believe, back of his head, I could see him like abruptly changing the steering wheel, trying to avoid something. I don't know if it's a storm or rocks or whatever. And then out of nowhere, this emotion just engulfed me. And I started to hear the acoustic chords of the song that I had planned to write about her story that I was playing around the house and humming a melody to. And even outside by myself, I, I just, I started sobbing, crying. And I really uh-huh. knew about the song that I was going to write for her story. And so I had to get up and run out of the house and open up the door to get air. And it went, it was, I was just like, I can't stop crying because the emotion felt like it was decades of heartache. Um, one and it melted melted with some heartache that I was having with the situation from the past year um and uh you know she said to me you were kept you were meant to come here you captured my essence so the next morning I realized on my recording because I was recording this whole time that uh she's humming the melody to my song right before I say I can hear the melody oh my god she knows I'm gonna write the song so you just realize how powerful that is um the 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 definitive proof of uh, afterlife, psychic ability, telepathy, love, how powerful that is and yearning for someone, how much that can transcend into the next world. Because this lady's spirit was there still waiting for a captain. Um, so yeah, I ended up writing a song and 
named it after her and her EVP is part of the song. And uh, I did a whole 20 minute kind of like story with evidence that wasn't shown on the show on my YouTube. Um, if you just type in Sean Austin Paranormal, it'll pop up. It's the main video on there. And uh, then I did a music video for it um, on the beach and the ocean. And there's more connections that ended up happening. Synchronicities having to do with the, the story. So I'm really, um, you know, excited for just to share that story with people, an extension of my connection to what happened to me on the Netflix show, 28 Days Haunted. And that'll be part of my lecture, um, you know, for the rest of my life. It's the most beautiful, emotional paranormal experience I've ever had. It's just and emotional as it was it's truly beautiful as well that's amazing i mean that's incredible that it did all that and it was able to you know like you said this it, it's given so that's a question i have i guess is you you've gotten so much from doing this work it's given you so much what would you where would you be what would you be doing if it, if paranormal wasn't part of your life what would you be doing right now what do you think well i mean music was my first passion music, before okay. i did the paranormal i was trying to be a, a singer and okay. i want to go on tour and do that so, I mean, but that's always been something that's been there, but I mean, Hey, we all got to live. We all got to do work. I mean, I still have a job to, to do what I need to do. Luckily I'm remotely working from home. That's a good thing. But, uh, you know, it's also conducive to traveling too. Right. Um, but you know, whenever I can do something that has to do with my passions, I mean, you know, that's my passions are everything to me. Um, and if I can involve myself and make something out of that and make an impact, in a positive manner, you know, spiritually and writing books, getting stories out there, helping people. And, you know, I think that's what it's all about. And even, you know, this song and that connection to her, I think it's, that's something unique and special as well. That's amazing. All right. So tomorrow you wake up, you can go to one place in the entire planet that is a place you want to investigate or you want to look at. Where is it? Where are you going? Um, 28 days haunted, lock me in by myself, 28 days in the Amityville house. Okay. All right. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've been by it and I, and I was awesome and I, I would love to go in it. Um, I always had the idea to buy the house. You can't afford it, but you just have a party once a month and everyone would come and you charge cover and you pay your mortgage off every month. <laughs> I know. Imagine the money that they're probably offered just to. Oh man. That'd be amazing. You'd probably just uh, turn it down. I love it. All right. So this is a horror movie podcast, right? So, all right. So haunted houses, scary movies, right? What, um, all right, Amityville Horror, the original, right? It's not the greatest movie ever, but it's kind of good. I kind of like the Classic. remake, honestly, better. But, but yeah, oh, wow. but, it's, but, but it's good. Um, I think of like The Conjuring. Uh, how about this? I think about, okay, Paranormal Activity. What are your thoughts on those couple? And what are, what, what are good Haunted House spirit movies? What, what, do you, what talks to you? What do you like? I mean, those are all classics. And, yeah. and I mean, I mean, I still think the scariest, supernatural type movie ever still the exorcist i mean mm, oh yeah so ahead of its time for the 70s and no one else has been able to get it i'm very curious to see what what's his face does who did halloween which i'm still a little worried yeah, gordon green right he's going to do a direct sequel to the yeah exorcist. i've the heard about this and original mom yeah ellen burston she's 90 something years old she's going to be in it right yeah yeah i mean like i'm excited um you know, but I mean, there are some obscure haunted, you know, supernatural movies that some people haven't seen. They're still good. There's one from like I think the 80s or 70s. It's still spooky as hell. And it's even got Gina Davis in it. And I don't know if you remember his Burnt Offerings. Oh, I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Oh, yeah. You should definitely watch that one or the one that's based on a true story about an incubus that was sexually attacking a woman. The Entity, right? That movie's creepy. I knew you were going to Barbara Hershey. I knew you were going to say that. That yeah. is 
I saw that movie a lot. It's almost like a doc documentary kind of almost feel like yeah the way they film it yeah it's creepy though yeah it's really well done i know that they're trying to remake it i'm surprised they haven't done it yet but um, uh exorcist remake i i had heard about that like you know okay the texas chainsaw remakes i was cool halloween's done them whatever yeah i don't know how i feel about a straight exorcist fool you could you could really put yourself in a bad spot and turn yourself off to a lot of people you have a lot to live up to i know they did a prequel and i remember they did a prequel in like both versions dominion they were not very good yeah it was kind of lacking it's just like how come you can't recreate it i mean if he did this in the 70s and just made it so crazy and um i don't know what Uh, did you think of um the original paranormal paranormal activity do you like that movie i mean yeah i thought it was entertaining i mean for the amount of money they spent on that to still be Mm -hmm. i know considered real and found footage i think that's you know magic um happening you ever see the movie i thought it was a, a sleeper movie too i thought it was good is um uh, possession of michael king i have not watch it okay it's it's actually really twisted and creepy um this guy um he his wife passes away he's obsessed with the afterlife and then he does the worst thing ever and starts doing satanic rituals of course yeah. <laughs> but it's actually it's actually well done oh wow pretty creepy do you we we reviewed poltergeist on this show a couple years ago wonderful movie an amazing movie and of course. you know i love the tech they use in it so when you're watching some of these things you know how faithful do you think i mean how many it's a movie obviously how many liberties do you think are taken do you think that some of these are, are somewhat faithful to the work the kind of stuff you're doing i think there's always elements of it yeah and they also kind of go off in their own tangent so to sure. speak. um i would love to have my hands in you know, being on, you know, helping, you know, consult or something on a movie that's based on a true story to kind of like, you know, because I mean, I've, I've witnessed so many scary things like demonic creatures right in my bedroom, hooves, tails, right, mm-hmm. and all like, and it's like, I would love to kind of like, you know, uh, pave the way for, for some of these directors and movies to, to really show how it does happen. Um, yeah that exactly being scarier a consultant almost on set yeah i mean like like movie the first movie the insidious i thought that movie Mm -hmm. then when i see the demon playing the organ at at the end like it's like phantom of the opera on crack right come on it takes a lot of the scariness away don't do that you know what i mean like that just makes it silly to me because demons are like literally like they they want pure chaos they want pure pain and torture yes you know, I thought the remake of the new Hellraiser was like, you know, pretty oh, good. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I got to check that yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, but it's still, I mean, Doug Bradley, you can't come close to that. Oh, yeah, I mean, Clive Barker's mind is so twisted and so amazing. Yeah, it's it's it's. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I love the old Hellraisers. I mean, it's... wonderful. Yeah. Um, but what, yeah, I mean... um, let me ask you this. What's good? Um, I mean, I've read so much Stephen King over here. What's good um, writing? Who's a good author about stuff, subjects and stuff like this? What's 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 good to read about? I mean, paranormal speaking, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you know, pioneers, the, the ones, I mean, John's yeah. office, Ralph Sarchi, my mentor, like, you know, reading books about people's real experience. There was even a book that I read. It was called the dark sacrament. It was terrifying, freaky. Wow. Book. It was uh, wow. demonic possessions and hauntings in Ireland. Wow. Some okay. of the stories in there, it was giving me chills. Just like, what is going on? I mean, Ireland's like just like a anciently haunted place to begin with. Totally, sure. totally, yeah, totally. Got some stories. Um, but yeah, reading some of these books around the pine time, okay. uh, we're going on some of these extreme cases. Um, 
I would definitely recommend, you know, that. I mean, the Warrens were big time. Um, that's a big starter. It was a starter for me. Like the demonologist is a very easy read for, you know, a book to get through and to understand it. Um, and it, it, it helped me. How about we go super old school and um, was it Montague Summers and the history of witchcraft and demonology? I don't know if you ever read that book. It's an old, old, I don't know. It's like a, I know I've seen it for seven. I've never, I mean, I've never read it. I've heard about uh, yeah, I, I mean, got some old I've, 1500s witchcraft. Yeah, witchcraft I mean, I've stuff. looked through some creepy, like, satanic books. Yeah. Uh, like, um, there is a Necronomicon, just like Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's there's definitely some twisted stuff. Some of these black magic books and seeing what they say to do. Like, we just did actually a yeah. for Scare Network. It's four episodes. It's, like, the worst thing ever. I don't know if you had heard about it, but this, this, this kid, 17 years old, he sacrificed his parents to Satan. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Well. He decapitated his dad, Ooh. put his head in a bowl, ashes and candles, and then proceeded. He axed his mom to death and proceeded to try to nail her to the wall and upside down crucifixion. Okay. I'm going to guess that did not work out well for him right now. So no, well, he's in jail, but yeah, we, 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 we did that whole story. We called the devil in Bel Air. Um, it happened in Ohio in 1995. They canceled Halloween and uh, we did some paranormal investigations around the areas to kind of give theory to like how much he was influenced by evil and the devil yeah how much was it his sociopathic you know, tendencies that built to that um heinous crime hmm. that's so like yeah that's, that's that's such an easy cop out to say well you know he's some teenage kid that listened to some album or he watched some stupid tv show or whatever it's like i don't know well, is that true or did something really happen was some a hold of this person did you know who knows right? well interesting uh, enough is that speaking to a lot of people and there's people who knew him. I mean, he was listening to some straight up death metal that mm-hmm. they were, they were Satanists and okay. they were encouraging in the music. But I mean, this, this kid was doing satanic rituals. He had an all, he had altars and doing animal sacrifice. Oh, um, and you know, it's interesting enough in the news articles is that he complained that he couldn't get the smell of rotting flesh out of his nose leading up to the murders and around the murders. Mm-hmm. And doctors said it was a neurological issue, but you know, if you know about the, the demonic, if there's no rational explanation, uh, of a foul smell like that i mean that's the demonic and then considering what he was doing in the manner that he you know took the life of his parents i mean it makes you wonder and it makes us you know theorize on you know what was going on wow well, it's wow there's so much out there that we have it just makes you wonder uh we could probably go on and on forever about this but yeah, um so i think um tell us just real quick where can what do you got coming up next what are you doing next and where can people find you where can they find out you know websites links all that good stuff yeah I mean, most of my handles are sean d austin s-e-a-n d is in david a-u-s-t-i-n um youtube is just sean austin paranormal even tiktok i go live a lot on tiktok with investigations and on tube youtube nice. um and uh, i'll be doing some more documentaries for scarenetwork.tv if you want to watch a bunch of these documentaries including this one go yes to- watch them they're good, they're good. Um, you, there's an app on roku fire stick and apple for free and you can rent titles or subscribe for the year. And we're constantly putting up original, true, genuine, and raw, paranormal, and creepy, scary content. Fabulous. Well, everyone that listens, you guys know the deal. Just listen, subscribe. You know where to find us. We want to know your ideas. We want to know things that you want us to review, subjects you want us to talk about. Um, thank you, Sean. This was wonderful. I really appreciate this. I appreciate um, helping you out in reviews a couple of times. Um, yeah. Absolutely. One, of our, one of our last episodes of the year here. We may have one more for you guys, but if not, we'll see you again in the new year. 
Um, thank you again to Sean and hope you can come back on again. Um, yeah. and until next time, everybody, thank you for listening. And uh, the truth is out there. The Scary Movie Project Podcast. Learn more at thescarymovieproject.com.